This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. G'day. Thanks for joining us. My name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive into the word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us about how you want us to respond to you, how you want us to live. And Father, as we look at Ephesians 6 today, we pray that you would open our ears and hearts to hear from you about your truth and how you want us to respond. And Father, I pray you will equip me for this task of speaking truthfully in a way your people can understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, today's title is this, Living Under Authority. And I want, to, I want to begin today by telling you a story of, of, of where I didn't do that. I didn't come under a leader's authority. At the end of year 12, I was invited by a guy named Andrew to go on a beach mission at Fingal Bay Caravan Park. A beach mission is a time where a bunch of Christians go to the caravan park, they put up tents, and, and for about 10 days they run activities for the campus, sharing the message of Jesus. And what we did, we'd, we'd, we'd run morning activities, evening activities, and in the afternoon it was a time off. It was a time for siesta break and to do your own thing. And, it was, and let me tell you, I loved Beach Mission. I did the first year, one of the best times in my life. I went back the following year and the following year and the following year. And then my fifth year, a new leader came into the team. Now, he wasn't part of the team. He was brought in from another team. And, and SU asked him to be the leader. And, and one of the things that this, that this leader said to our team very clearly, very precisely is this. He said, for siesta, for, for the one and a half hours in the afternoon, for siesta, I want you guys to be horizontal laying in your tents. I want you to sleep for an hour and a half in every afternoon. Now, when I heard that, I immediately thought to myself, well, that's not for me. I don't need that. I'm not doing that. And the reality was I didn't need the rest. I'd done four missions and at the age of 42, I got plenty of energy. But at the age of 22, I had heaps of energy. So I didn't need the sleep. So what I decided to do, the first day of mission, whenever I went to their tents and, and uh, had a rest, I went to the beach, had a swim, and did some exercise, had a great time, came back, no one noticed. Did the same thing the next day, went to the beach on my own, everyone else rested, did my own thing, came back at the end, no one noticed. Day three, I, I changed my routine. I went to the community center in the caravan park where they had a television and they were showing the Boxing Day test match. So I sat in that room on my own, um, with no one else from the team watching the test, test match. And on, and, and on that day, the uh, leader of our team walked into that community center and said, Nathan, what are you doing here? I've made it clear that I want you to be horizontal laying down in your tent. This is not okay. And at that I said, but I don't need the rest. Um, I've done mission for four years. I know what my body can do. Um, I'm fine. I'm not annoying anybody else. I'm not interrupting anyone else's rest. Surely this is okay. He goes, no, Nathan. I want you horizontal. So at that, I went and returned to the tent and, and, and for the next few days, I did what he asked me to do. Now, in hindsight, was it good leadership for the leader to tell adults how to rest? No, but I need to think about what his motive was. And his motive was trying to look after the team, was trying to make sure the team was rested so they could do the mission as we were supposed to do. And in hindsight, Rather than disobeying the leader and thinking, I know better, I'm going to do my own thing, I should have done what the leader asked me to do because he was my leader 
I was part of his team and I was under his authority. So I should have done what he wanted me to do. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, looked at this idea of Jesus is both Lord and Saviour. And, and I sang that crazy song, you can't have one without the other. And what we saw from this text, from, from this idea, is that Jesus is both Lord and Saviour of our lives. As Christians, if you're watching this and you're a Christian, Jesus is called to be both your Lord and Saviour. Now, Jesus being Saviour is a, is a great thing for us. The fact that he died on the cross to take the punishment for our sin, that he would save us from our sin, he would save us from death, eternal death, and that he would give us new life, a new identity, Jesus is Saviour. That's just the most incredible thing. And we want that and we, and we receive that. But Jesus is also called to be Lord of our life, which means he's the boss. He's the one who, who sets the agenda for our lives. He's the one who's in charge. And if he's the Lord, well, then we find out what he wants for us. And we choose to come under the authority of Jesus. As Christians, we're called to live under authority and it's under the authority of Jesus. We need to have Jesus as both Saviour and Lord. And what, we've been, and what we've seen from the book of Ephesians so far as we've been going through our series is Ephesians chapter 1, 2 and 3 is all about Jesus saving us and giving us a new identity. And chapter 4, 5 and 6 is all about living under his Lordship. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at chapter 4 and chapter 5. And in, the, in this text, Paul has told us the things to stay away from. He says, stay away from sexual immorality, impurity. He says, stay away from greed. Stay away from un, um, obscene joking and lying. He says, stay away from stealing and bitterness and rage and slander. And he says, rather than do those things, choose love. Love people. Live right lives under God. Goodness. Speak truthfully, find out the Lord's will, be filled with the Spirit, sing songs to others, songs to God and pray with thanksgiving. These things of how to live under the authority of Jesus. And the last part there in verse 21, he says, go on, he says, be wise in the way you live and submit to one another. Submit to one another. It's God's desire that we submit to one another and that submitting is living under the authority of Jesus. And then he goes on to talk about Three relationships. The first relationship is between husbands and wives. The second relationship is between parents and children. And the third relationship is, is around employers and employees. And what we see in, in, the, in, the, in the second part of Ephesians 5 around husbands and wives, and then the first part of Ephesians 6 on parents and children and employers and employees, we see three things in common. In each relationship, this is the first thing we see that every person is under the authority of Jesus. Remember, Paul is writing to Christians in Ephesus. They're people who have Jesus as their Saviour and Lord. He said to them, um, he tells them about their, their identity, about what, what it means for Jesus to save them. And then, it tells, then he tells them about how to live under the Lordship of Jesus. He says, don't do these things, do all these things, and I want you to submit to one another. And he says, I want you to submit in, uh, in uh, these relationships. And he says that every person... No matter if you're a child or a parent, if you're a husband or a wife, if you're an employer or employee, if you're a Christian, you are under the authority of Jesus. And that is a great leveler because in Christ, there is no one person better than another. God doesn't show favoritism, which we're going to read in verse 9 of chapter 6, that our God sees us all the same, all in Christ Jesus, all loved, all forgiven, all chosen, all his masterpiece. And God gives roles for us to function 
as a community, as the people that he wants us to be. And the first point is that every person is under the authority of Jesus. The second thing he says, that if you're a leader, if you're a husband, if you're an employer, if you're a parent, give your best like Jesus did. He uses the picture of Jesus in the church. Jesus is like the leader where he gave his best for his people. And as leaders, leaders, parents, husbands, employers, it's not about you. It's not about you stamping your authority or being right or getting your way. It's rather following the example of Jesus who gave his best for the people that he loved. He gave his best by dying on the cross and that is a pattern for each one of us to follow as leaders. And the second thing we think, see as followers, as children, as, as wives, as, as employees, our, 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 this, this text tells us to follow like you do Jesus, just as the church follows Jesus, just as we as individuals follow the Lordship of Jesus, we're called to follow those who we lead. They're the three things that we see in common. Last week, we looked at husbands and wives and, 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 and the husband is there to give his life for his wife and his wife and, and, and the wife's role is to love and respect and follow her husband. It's a beautiful picture of Christ and the church. The second relationship is around parents and children and that is what we're going to look at today. So I encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1 through 9, we're going to look at the first few verses around parents and children first. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Here it is here. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Then he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 5 and the fifth, the fifth commandment out of the ten. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then in verse 4, talks to the fathers. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, I just want to give you some context around what was happening at the time in the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, the father was the head of the family. And the father was the head of everybody in his family. Even as his children grew up to be adults, he was still the father. As the father, he, he could call all the shots. He could have his children punished, even his children put to death. He was in full control. He could put them in chains and get them working out um, in the fields if he wanted to. He was the absolute authority. He was the one who made the rules. He was the head of the family. And then in contrast to this, we have this text from Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul doesn't talk about a father being the domineering, controlling. He says, do not exasperate your children. Rather, don't, don't lead them to anger. Rather, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. It's a massive contrast. Let's now go back to this text in Ephesians chapter 6 and, and see what it says. He says in, he speaks firstly to children. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Remember, these children are Christians. Christians in the church in Ephesus, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, when we see the word children, we need to ask ourselves, well, well, who is a child? How old is a child? And that's a really great question. And, and as I went to the Bible commentators, they say, well, children's different in, in every culture and in every society. And it's really important that the commentators say is, is that you see children in the context of the society in which you live. So in Australia today, a child 
is anyone under the age of 18. So if you're under the age of 18 and you're watching this, God's word to you is this, obey your parents. If you're a Christian, you are in the Lord. Your instruction is for you to obey your parents. Now, what happens when you turn 18? Well, then you're an adult. Yeah, you no longer have to obey them, but you're still called to honor and respect them. Yeah, because they're your parents. God wants you to honor and respect your parents. So as you turn 18 and you're an adult, you're called to honor and respect your parents. And then we have another step. If you're, if you're 18 or older and you're still living in your parents' house, and I emphasize that, your parents' house, it's not your house, it's your parents. And so your parents have... Um, decisions to make around what's okay and what's not okay in the house. And as an 18-year-old, as a young adult who's still living at home, you have a choice to rather live under, the, under your parents' authority in that house or, or, or go and live somewhere else. Yeah, that is your choice as an 18-plus person living at home. Follow the, follow the rules of the person who owns a house or go and live somewhere else. That's really important. The second thing we see in this text, he says, children obey and then he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 5. He says, honor your father and mother. And it's the first commandment, <coughs> excuse me, with a promise. That so that, this is what it says in Deuteronomy 5, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That you may enjoy long life on the earth. And friends, that's so true. You know, children, we are, we are learning. We, I shouldn't say we, I'm not a child anymore. Children are learning and growing and they're trying to work out life. The beauty of a parent is that they've done the growing, they've done the learning, they've done life, they've got wisdom, they know how things work. And as a child follows their parents' instruction, it actually protects the child, it actually sets the child up for their best life. So, so children, obey your parents. They, they've lived the life you haven't yet lived. They know stuff you don't know, they have wisdom you ain't got. So take notice of what they say and obey them. The first people he speaks to here is children who are under the authority of their parents, but also under the authority of the Lord. Then he goes on in verse 4 to talk about fathers. And remember the contrast between the Roman Empire and here. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't lead them to anger. Don't do things that are going to make them angry parents. Rather, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Parents, you have authority over your children. Yeah? But parents, fathers and mothers, you are also under the authority of Jesus. And it tells you here how to parent. As parents, we're not just a parent however we think best, but we're to follow the teachings of the scriptures that teach us how to parent. And the teaching here is bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Since people under authority, under the authority of Jesus, we're called to parent in the way he wants us to live. And it tells us how to do that here. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. You know, I've, I've heard parents say, well, I'm not going to put my, my Christian faith on my children. I'm going to um, allow them to decide to follow whatever they fo want to follow growing up. And, and, and that's a nice thought, but that's not what I see here in this text. It's very clear that Paul is writing that we are to bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. We're to teach them about Jesus, what he did, what he said, and we're to teach them and show them how to live. Not just in words, but modeling it. Parents. How often do your kids see your parents? Um, how often do your kids see you as a parent with, with your Bible open? You sitting and praying? You listening to worship music? 
How often do, you, do your kids see you talk about the Lord and share your faith and be deliberate in actions that honour Him? Because there's an expression, more is caught than taught. And as parents, we need to train our children in the instruction and the training of the Lord. As parents, we're under the authority of Jesus and yet we're the authority for our children. That is parents and children. The other thing we see in this text from Ephesians 6 is then Paul then talks about employers and employees. Now, he doesn't use the word employers and employees. They're my words. And they're the words that I use because that's the best way to think about it for today. But he uses the words masters and slaves. So let's read the text and then we're going to talk about that. This is what he says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them, when, obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Now, Paul uses the word slave and master here. And he also talks about people who are free, those who are um, able to live, have their own business in the Roman Empire. And he's referring to what was happening at the time in the Roman Empire. It's believed during um, this time of writing in the Roman Empire, there's about 60,000 people who are slaves, 60,000. And this master and slave thing was engulfed deeply into their society, it was normal. It was just part of how things went. Now, there was a somewhat positive side to slavery, and it was this, that, that um, they included laborers, doctors, teachers, and it was common for masters once these laborers, doctors, teachers learnt skills for, for the masters to release them to start their own businesses. And some of these slaves are actually part of the master's family and loved and supported as part of the master, master's family. There were some positive sides. But there are also some really negative sides that a master owned the slave. They could buy them, they could sell them if they wanted them, if, and if they wanted to, they could treat them really harshly. They could whip them, they could have them flogged and even have them killed if they wanted to. Now, as we think about slavery, like, it's just wrong. Um, and today we are, there are big movements about freeing people from slavery. And slavery is obviously not God's best for people. The fact that another person would own another person, I mean, that's just not right. And the fact that another person could control and beat up and have a person killed, I mean, that's just not right. So we need to ask this question. Why didn't Paul say slavery was wrong? <coughs> Excuse me again. Why didn't Paul say slavery was wrong? Well, I look up the commentators and here are some of the thoughts. Well, in the first century, the, uh, the uh, rights of slaves hugely improved. In AD 20, there was a Senate in Rome where they decided that slaves were going to be treated the same way a free person was around criminal behavior. They'd, they'd, be bring, they'd be brought in front of the same court rather than the slave's master dealing with them. As I said before, masters were, were releasing their slaves more and more to be freed men, to start their own businesses, to live in their way. But the main reason, I think, is because Christianity was outlawed in, in, the, in, the, in the Roman Empire. 
And Paul's writing a letter to this small church in Ephesus. And if he wrote saying slavery was wrong, get out of slavery, it's no good, it, 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 it would have meant horrible, horrible situation for the Christians at the time. It, it would have meant leaving their masters and some of these, some of these Christians would have been slaves. It would have meant leaving their masters, which, which, would have, which, which could have meant them being killed as, as a deserter. It would have meant they wouldn't have had um, any income, which could have led to them starving. So by Paul saying what he's saying, he's actually protecting the Christians. And rather than writing in, writing something that to, um, to the Christians around slavery, saying it's wrong and that it should change, which would have no impact on, 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 on the vastly entrenched master-slave thing that was happening in the Roman Empire. What he does, he writes to the Christians about how to behave in, in that environment. And that's really smart, and that's true also for us today. You know, as Christians who live in Australia, we can't control what society says is normal. We can't control the government and how things are done, but we can control our behaviour in that society. And that's what Paul does here. He writes to slaves about how to treat their masters, how to live, and he writes to masters about how to treat their slaves. So let's now go back to the text, and rather than think slave-master, think employee-employer, which is going to help us today. So here we go. Employees, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Now, there's a really strong statement. He's saying there as Christians, we are to, as Christian employees, we are to, we are to obey our employers as we would obey Christ. What does Christ want for our life? Under the authority of Christ, I'm going to live that way. If this is what the employer wants, well, that's what I'll do. Now, we need to have a little um, proviso here. Um, assuming that your employer is telling you to do something that is not ungodly. Now, if, if, if your employer wants you to steal, well, it's okay to say no. If your employer wants you to do something dodgy, it, it's okay to say no because you are under a higher authority. And that higher authority is Jesus Christ and you must serve him first. But if your boss asks you to do something, friends, we need to do it. And, and by doing that, we're, we're honouring our bosses, but we're also we're honouring Christ because our boss is our authority, but we're also under the authority of Christ. He then goes on in verse 6 and 7 and says this, Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, as employees of Christ. Employees of Christ. Notice that. Employees, not just of your boss, but of Christ. As you come under your boss's authority, you're coming under Christ's authority, doing, doing the will of God from your heart. As you serve your boss, you're actually doing God's will for your life. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. In other words, don't just serve them when, they are, when they're watching. <laughs> Rather, do your best all the time as if you're serving the Lord. What you do for the Lord, um, the same level of commitment, the same dedication, do that for your boss. That's what he wants you to do. Serve your boss like you're serving the Lord. And the final thing he says in verse 8, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you Whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free, whether or not they are an employee or, or a free person, yeah? I'm talking about what's happening at the time in the Roman Empire. Someone who's under a master, a slave of a master, or someone who's free. The Lord is watching and he will reward you. Friends, there are rewards in eternity. As a Christian, there are actually two judgments. The first judgment is 
Um, are you in to are you into eternity with God forever or you're out? That's that's the first judgment. And the second judgment is God's going to judge us on what we do with what He's given us, how we come under the authority of Jesus, and here how we come under the authority of our bosses. God's going to judge us on that. He wants us to live a life where we serve our bosses, where we honour them, where we do what we ask, where we do our best, because God is going to judge us on that. The second thing he does here, he talks to the masters or the employees, the employers, and he says this, and masters or employers, treat your employees in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Let's go back. As any an employers, treat your employees in the same way. In what same way? I reckon he's pointing back to verse 7. Let's go back to verse 7. Serve your employees wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether, whether they're slave or free. And in this verse 8, and employers treat your slaves in the same way. This is about serving them wholeheartedly. Employers, leaders, you are not there for your benefit. You're there to serve others. It's not about stamping your authority and getting your way. Rather, it's about laying down your agenda, laying down um, your rights and serving those who are on your team, serving your employees. Serve them. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. He says, employers, treat your employees properly. Because you're also going to be judged like your employees are and how you've treated them. And God doesn't have favoritism. He sees everybody the same. Yeah. If you're in Christ, he sees you all the same. And yet we have different roles. So where have we been today? We've seen this. In each relationship, three things. Number one, every person is under the authority of Jesus. Whether you're a husband or a wife, a parent or a child, an employer or an employee, you are under the authority of Christ because He is your Lord and He is your Saviour. This is our great leveller. They were all one in Christ and yet God gives people roles in, in society. The second thing, as leaders, we're called to give, um, to give your best just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus laid down his life, we're called to lay down our lives. Just like Jesus loved and cared and gave. Employers, you're called to do the same thing for your employees. Husbands, you're called to do the same thing for your wives. Parents, you're called to do the same things for your children. And finally, as followers, follow like you do Jesus. As Christians, just as we come under the authority of Jesus and obey him, we're called to follow those who lead us. Now, the Bible talks about other relationships where we're called to serve. Another one's around the government. In Romans chapter 13, the Bible's clear that God's given us our leaders in government and we are called as Christians to come under their authority because they've been given, the government's been given authority to, to uh, do justice and discipline for us, which is a good thing. But we're also called to follow their rules, to pay our taxes and do the things the government wants us to do because their authority as Christians as, a, as people who are under the authority of Jesus, we follow his leader and the scriptures say, follow the leading of the government and we're called to come under the government's authority. But we're also called to come under church leaders. And in Hebrews chapter 13 and 17, this is what it says. Have confidence in your leaders. This is in the context of the church and submit to their authority 
because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit for you. If you're a Christian, God has put you under Christian leadership. And and as a Christian leader, I stand here today knowing that I must give an account for how I live and for how I lead the church. And let me tell you, Christian leadership is hard. There are people with different motives, different different agendas, and and people are trying to pull you in all different different directions. But as a Christian leader, I need to seek the Lord. I need to find out what He wants for our church. I need to listen to our people and then make decisions for what I think is right, to honour the Lord and to love the people. And the best thing you can do as the church is, is um, um, come under my leadership, support me, respect me, submit to my leadership so that my work is not a burden because when it's a burden, it makes it more difficult. <laughs> and that actually doesn't give you any benefit as, as, as someone who's under my leadership. As church leaders, we're called to lead. We're called to shepherd. It's not about me as a leader stamping my authority, doing what I want. It's not about that. It's about me loving the people I lead, giving my best for them. And that's my desire for our, for our church community. And if you're a Christian leader, maybe you're a, a youth pastor or a young adults pastor or a life group leader or a kids leader, you're there to love others. You're there to serve others. So as we come to the end of this message, in each relationship, number one, every person is under the authority of Jesus. Every person. The second thing is leaders, we're called to give our best just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus went to that cross and died for our sin, leaders are called to give our life for those we're leading. Husbands, give your life for your wife. Parents, give your life for your children. Employers, give your best for your employees. And for those who are following, Christians, follow like you follow Jesus. Follow your husbands, follow, follow your parents, follow your employers, follow the government, follow the church leaders. And by doing so, you're honouring Christ. By coming under people who, who, are, who have authority over you, that God has put in authority over you, as you come under their authority, you're actually honouring Christ and coming under the authority of Jesus. Last question for today. So what's your next step? As we've talked about living under authority, what's your next step? Maybe you're a child and you you need to think about how you can more obey your parents or you're 18 and you're a young adult and you're living in your parents' home. What does it mean for you to honour and respect your parents coming under their authority in that household? Maybe you're a parent and, and you've been challenged on what it means for you to bring your child up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Are you leading it up for the, for the church to train your child? Are you leaving it for someone else to do it? The scripture teaches in a school. Or are you taking responsibility to train the child, your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord? That is what you're called to do as a parent. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe you're an employee and you've been slacking off at work and you haven't been doing the things that you should. Well, maybe this is a challenge for you to, to do things differently. I remember when I was um, a teacher, I had an incredible head teacher. Um, his name was Andy and he was honouring and he was a Christian actually. He was honouring and respectful and supportive and whatever he wanted, man, I was just happy to serve him. But, the, but my principal on the other hand um, was a poor leader and, and, and most encounters I, I had with her were negative. And she'd always point out the negative and rarely the positive. And so whenever she wanted me to do something, I would do the bare minimum and I, and, and I would do the thing just to get through. And by doing that, I, uh, I wasn't honouring her in, in, in the way I should have. 
And, and I've had to repent of that. Because these scriptures teach us it's not about how the, in, in each one of these texts, it doesn't say um, employees obey your master if they, um, employee obey your employer if they treat you well. It doesn't say that. Regardless of how they treat you, honour, respect and obey them. Husbands, wives, wives, you're not called to submit to your husband, follow your husband if he treats you well. And husbands, you're not called to love your wife and lay down your wife if only your, your, your wife respects you and honours you. No, we're called to love, we're called to honour, we're called to submit, we're called to follow, we're called to love no, no matter what. So as an employee, follow your boss, follow your employer, even if they aren't the best leader. Maybe you're an employer or you're a leader, you're a life group leader, you're a kids leader, you're a pastor in a church, you're, you're, you're a government leader. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about you getting your way, stamping your authority. It's about what you can give. It's about loving. It's about serving. It's about you, the people under you being the best that they can be. So as we close today, what is your next step? What's the thing that you're going to do because of what you've heard today? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to reflect and pray. Just spend 30 seconds doing that now, and then I'll pray for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that it teaches us how to come under authority and that it's your will that we come under authority. Father, as Christians, we are under the, under the authority of Jesus and we're called to live in a way that, that, that pleases you. And part of living under that authority is submitting to leaders that we have today, the our leaders that you've put in our, in, in our lives. Father, I pray for the children that are listening, that they'll be deliberate in obeying their parents, that the young adults that are listening will honour and respect their parents, that the parents that are watching will be deliberate in bringing up their children in the training and instruction of the Lord. For the employers, Lord, that they would be giving and loving and helping their employees be the best that they can be. And for the employees, Father, that, that the employees would submit and obey their leaders. Lord, for each one of us, we would, that, that we would come under, our, under the government authorities. And for those that are part of churches, Father, I pray that we would serve our church leaders. And the church leaders would serve the people and give their best for their people. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching today. Next week, Sam's going to talk about the armour of God from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Why don't you read it beforehand? Thanks for being part of this. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 